little video that the production team put together about our ministry to middle school students here that we call Power Life today. We're praising God for 78 eighth graders here in Ankeny, uh, over 550 Hope Wide who are taking this next step when it comes to faith. And I think it's really important for us to keep it in that context. It's a next step, right? Confirmation is not a final step. It's not even the most important step. It's the next step. And, and that's the thing about faith. There's always a next step for eighth grade students, but also for every single one of us. There's always a next step when it comes to faith. And one of the ways we figure out what is the next step that God is calling us into is by seeking out answers to questions that we have. And that's what this message series is all about, that we've been in uh, since Easter. Uh, you asked for it, is what we're calling the message series. Each week we're taking a look at a, a different question, a question about faith and about God and about church. And I want us to read together out loud the question we're going to be digging into today. It's on the screen. Read this out loud with me. Isn't hope big enough already? Isn't hope big enough already? All, all kinds of reasons why this is an important question for us to explore. And before we dig into it, I just want to pause for a second and have you, I don't need a show of hands or anything, but just pay attention to what kind of goes on inside of you when we read this question. Isn't hope big enough already? Do you have kind of an instinctual reaction to this question? Some people probably think, yes, it's already big enough. Some people probably think no. And, and your sort of initial reaction is at least in part because of your experience. Now, there's a guy named George Barna. He has a research group. They do all kinds of research on all things related to church world in America. Two years ago, in 2015, they explored this question of church size in America. And here's what the Barna group discovered. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Uh, in, there's like 300,000 churches in America 46% of them have a weekly worship attendance of 100 or less. 37%, somewhere between 100 and 499. I think my math's right. That's 83% of all churches have a congregation less than 500. 9% between 500 and 999, and 8% of 1,000 or more. So what this shows us, the vast majority of Americans go to churches that are nowhere near the size of this church, Lutheran Church of Hope. And I don't know if you are like me or not, but that, that's my experience. Before I came to Hope, I had never been at a church bigger than 500 people. 350 was about the biggest uh, worship attendance. That church had a membership of 800, and 350 of the members showed up every week for worship. People ask me all the time, what's the membership of Hope? I'm like, I don't care. I want, I want to know who's coming, who's a part, who's actively involved in, in what we're doing here. And so... Like many of you, and like John Cougar Mellencamp, I was born in a small town. And I grew up in a small town, went to church in a small town, and I went to a small church. That was the only experience that I knew. And, and so part of the reason I want us to just be reminded of this reality, one of the temptations we have is if we have a singular experience, our temptation is to say, that's really the only experience, or that's the best experience, or that's the right experience, if all we've ever known is a small church, we have a temptation to say, that's the right way to do church, that's the right way to be church. Anybody ever heard of Netflix? Yeah, of course you have. Well, rewind. Remember, you used to have cassette tapes, you had to rewind them before you brought it back to Blockbuster? What a pain. Uh, you'd get fined if you didn't rewind it. Anyway, um, in the year 2000, Blockbuster was number one in the movie rental industry in this country. 
If you wanted to watch a movie at home, you had to go to a store, drive to a store, get out of your car, go into the store where they had shelves of cassette tapes or DVDs or, or Blu-rays or whatever, pick it out and, and go home, right? Now, in the same year, 2000, I think Blockbuster was worth somewhere between two and three billion dollars. A successful company, right? Same year, this guy, uh, Reed Hawkins was his name. He started this company called Netflix, and he flew to Dallas to meet with executives at Blockbuster. He wanted to pitch an idea of a partnership between Netflix and Blockbuster, and he got laughed out of the room. Well, guess who's having the last laugh? Blockbuster today is out of business, bankrupt, and Netflix is worth $28 billion, is what one article I read said. About 10 times what Blockbuster was worth in 2000. How about Dollar Shave Club? Any of you ever heard of Dollar Shave Club where they'll send razors right to your house and you can get shave butter? Anybody a fan of shave butter? Not for your popcorn, right? But for this big difference. Uh, five years ago, Dollar Shave Club didn't even exist. And recently, I think this year, it was sold for a billion dollars. A company bought it for a billion dollars. And 10% of all razors uh, bought in this country are through companies like Dollar Shave Club or Harry's or, or that sort of thing. And retail giants like Gillette are sort of scrambling to catch up. And what's fascinating to me about both the Netflix story and the Dollar Shave Club story, neither one of them started off with a goal, we want to be bigger than Blockbuster, we want to be bigger than Gillette. They wanted to create a better product, they wanted to create a, a better sort of shopping experience, they wanted to figure out a better way of doing business. Their goal wasn't to be bigger, their goal was to be better. And so if you've been around Hope for a while, this is a reminder for you, or if you are new to Hope, this is one of the things we want you to understand about who we are. Our goal is not to be a bigger church, and our goal is not to be a smaller church. Our goal is to be a better church. And sometimes the best way to do some of the things that we know we're called to do as a church is to do it in really big groups of people. That's the best way to do it, that we have the most impact. And other things that we are called to do as a church, the best way to do it is in small groups or even one-on-one -on -one kinds of relationships. So what I want to talk about today is a couple of ways that I think we can grow and we can become a, a better church. Not as we compare ourselves to other churches around us, that would be missing the point, but how do we, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we look back and we say, we've really gotten better at doing this whole church thing, following after Jesus. So, one of the things that happens in Power Life, uh, it's our confirmation ministry, and at the end of the eighth grade year, the Power Life students get to write their faith statement. What is it that they believe about God? What does faith mean to them? Uh, that sort of thing. And so one of the best nights of the year is faith statement night where they get into their small groups and their families come and they get to read to their group, here's what I believe. And Brent Rao, our student ministry coordinator, he got me the faith statements of all the 78 kids and I wish I had time to read all of them to you, but I don't have time for that. So I want to read some of them. Um, there's, there's a theme the way most of the faith statements start. And they start off by talking about how much they hated church when they were little. <laughs> it was boring, you know, the pastor would preach forever and ever, and they didn't understand a word that the preacher was saying. And you're probably thinking, well, that was some other church that they went to before they came to Hope, right? No, they're talking about sitting in the bleachers of the middle school gymnasium where we used to worship and trying, you know, so uncomfortable and boring. But the thing that kept them coming back was the donut holes. They kept, <laughs> and then several of them mentioned the donut holes. It was, made it all worth it. 
At some point, though, as they're growing up and, and maturing, you know, physically and emotionally and mentally, it also starts to happen in terms of their faith, that God gets a hold of them and, and things start to make sense. So here's part of what Olivia Cooper wrote. Last year, I renewed my baptism. I felt like God told me I should go. I should renew my baptism, and I did. My all-time favorite Bible verse is Mark 9.23. Jesus asks, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. This verse has helped me be more confident and step up and do things out of my comfort zone. For the years to come, I'm going to advance my faith more and more and help spread his name to more and more people around me. Hunter Johnson wrote, even though I don't know what God's plans are for me, I know what I'm supposed to do. The Great Commission tells me to go and make disciples. This is something I believe in. Whether it's in Ankeny or Africa, I'm going to enjoy talking about the good news of Jesus. Eighth grader, I'm just going to follow the Great Commission. <laughs> That's awesome. Ellie Mashoff is writing about the importance of her small group, the, the way she got connected in her small group through Power Life. If there was something happening in my life, you would be the people I would turn to. We would talk to God about everything and would pray for each other and tell each other it'll be okay in the end. I'm excited to keep growing in my faith. I'm happy my parents picked hope because there's always something new at every service. One moment you'll be praying and the next you'll be watching a clip from The Incredibles. It sounds like our church, doesn't it? And so I, I, this ministry to middle school students we call Power Life, it's such an important ministry because it's just getting more and more challenging and difficult to be a teenager these days, isn't it? I really appreciate the way Corbin Pilch, one of the eighth graders who's being confirmed today, he, he was real vulnerable and honest about the challenges and the hard things that he's had to go through. He uh, has a real hard time figuring out his place kind of socially. And he wrote about sometimes at school particularly, he feels like people hate him, that he does not matter, and he's not quite sure how to deal with this. He would come to church and at church, he would be told, well, Christians were supposed to be loving and forgiving. And so Corbin wrote, I find it hard to love and forgive somebody who makes you feel so bad. Preach it, Corbin, don't we all? Don't we all have people in our life who are difficult to love, difficult to forgive? He goes on, and, and Corbin writes this, Ever since I can remember, Jesus has been in my life. My parents have taught me to love him, to pray, and to love others. I went to church and vacation Bible school, but I never really knew Jesus. Like most young boys, I looked up to my older brother, Colton. I wanted to go to Power Life because of him. We were at the station back then. So two years ago, we moved into this building, but um, we used to worship in the middle school on the weekends, and then we had this warehouse over by John Deere that we turned into a midweek ministry space, and now I think they cut dog hair in that place. But a lot of people came to know Jesus in that place that we called the station. We were in the station, and a bit after I arrived, people gathered in the center and started to sing, dance, and look like they were having fun. After watching them for a bit, I wanted to join in. I found my group and joined in. I remember my group started out small, but it grew every year. I really started to know Jesus. I felt like I belonged. I felt like I belonged. You know, if we're going to get better at being a church and get better at doing the church, one of the things I really hope we get better at is belonging. Read this verse with me, Romans 12, verse 5, it's on the screen. Read it out loud with me. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. 
And so I'm really grateful that Corbin was able to find a place at this church where he felt like he belonged. But if we're being honest, we also know there's plenty of middle school and high school students who have not found that place. And how can we become that kind of place for everyone? And I love hearing stories from many of you. You tell me the first time you walked through the doors of hope, you, it just felt like home, which I think is a, a way of saying I felt like I belonged here. But I also know there are plenty of people who come and maybe try it once or twice and then leave, and they never find that sense of belonging here. And so how do we get better at belonging? How do we get to a place where we understand this reality, that we belong to Jesus, we're part of the body of Christ, and part of what that means is we all belong to each other. Uh, my wife, Wendy, is taking a parenting class with some of her friends. Um, you know, at our house, we have to delegate certain things out. There are certain things I do, certain things. She, so she's, we delegated parenting to Wendy. She's taking, <laughs> I just, it seems weird when I say she's taking a parenting class. So I'm not, she, she informs me everything that she's learning that I need to be doing. So she's taking this parenting class with some of her friends. It's based on the research of Brene Brown, who's at uh, the University of Houston. And this week in the parenting class, Brene Brown was talking about the difference between belonging and fitting in. There's a difference between belonging and fitting in. And she said there was a fourth grader who kind of put it this way. A fourth grader says, if I get to be me, I belong. If I have to be like you, that's fitting in. If I get to be me, I belong. If I have to be like you, it's fitting in. Fitting in is kind of assessing the situation that you are in, assessing the relationships that uh, you're a part of, and almost twisting, distorting who you are in order to fit in, in order to feel like people are going to say you can hang out with them. Belonging is a very different kind of thing. Belonging means I can just show up, and, and I'm free to be who I really am. I, I can be seen for who I really am. I can be known for who I really am. And there's a reason we hired Angie Rathman to be a full-time connections coordinator at this church. Because we understand there's a, there's a real need here for people who come through the doors of this church, whether it's throughout the week or whether it's on the weekend, how do we get them connected? How do we get them to a place where they no longer feel like somehow they have to find a way to fit in at Hope, but they understand that they belong? Because in a community like this, we spend a lot of time and energy, adults and students alike, trying to fit in. I'm going to say what I think they want me to say. I'm going to do what I think they want me to do. I'm going to put on this mask because I think this mask is going to help me fit in or, or belong. Now, the church is called to be countercultural, to create a completely different kind of environment. And our theme this year at Hope, remember our theme, to know and to be known. It's all about belonging. How do we become a, a kind of people? How do we become the church where nobody has to fake it, nobody has to figure out how do I fit in, but everybody understands who I am, who God created me to be. This is a really good thing, and I belong here. We've got to get better at belonging. Secondly, I think we've got to get better at, at sharing. And one of the first descriptions that we get of what the church is like, it comes at the end of Acts chapter 2, and I just want to read a part of this to you. I'll start in verse 44. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill 
of all the people. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Shared everything they had. And, and you start to take a look at the way the early church is described in the book of Acts, and that's going to be the next series that we get into. We're going to walk through the book of Acts later on this summer. You start to see how it is that this, this church became a movement that changed the world, changed civilization, changed society, changed culture. You can read secular and Christian books alike who, who will tell you if they study sociology, if they study uh, civilization, it was Christians, it was Christianity. They, they played this incredible role, whether it was in a field like education or medicine or government or law or art or science. Christians and their influence changed the way we live. And because they got to this place where they believed this idea that who I am is good. God created me this unique way. And, and if I just believe I belong, now I can start to share everything that I have. I can share all that I am, who I am, for the sake of the world around me. It'll make the world a better place. And so I was just thinking about the ways in which we are sharing just this weekend at Hope Ankeny. And let's praise God for the uh, volunteers who serve in Power Life. Can you just praise God with me for them? These, these are men and women who've been sharing their Wednesday nights for three years, but also some weekends, and they go on retreats or they go on mission projects or that sort of thing, all for the sake of, of these middle school students getting to a place where they feel like they belong at this church. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, last, uh, yesterday, really all weekend, we had a um, meat smoking class where guys who love to take big pieces of meat and make them very flavorful. They worked all weekend long. They had a class, like 30 people showed up to learn how to smoke meat. And then they shared it with us. Last night we had a meal after the 5 o'clock worship service and we got to eat brisket and pork loin and ribs and turkey. I mean, it was, I'm still kind of recovering. But it was fantastic. They just, I don't, I don't want to learn how to do it, but I would love to share what other people are doing. We also had something called the Blessing of the Bikes. Did you know we have a motorcycle ministry at Hope? And so they all came, it's called Hope's Angels, and they lined up their hogs in the front uh, parking. And afterwards, we went and we prayed for them to have a safe, uh, enjoyable season. And, and I asked them, what, what do you really want me to be praying for? And they said, pray for us to represent Jesus well. Pray for us to run into people who are far from God's love and that somehow our influence might make a difference in their life. It was just beautiful. And I said, now, I understand that some people like me look really good in leather, but if you don't look good in leather, can you still be a part of Hope's Angels? They said, absolutely. So maybe it's, maybe it's a place for you to feel like you belong. I don't know how God has uniquely made you, but I do know that whatever it is you have, whoever you are, uh, we need you to share that with this church, but also with the world around us. We've got to get better at belonging and better at sharing. And then one final thing I want us to get better at is courage. Better at courage. One of the things that the Power Life students are encouraged to do is to come up with a, a Bible verse, a favorite Bible verse, a life verse. When they think about who they are and they think about who God is, is there a verse that kind of is a guiding verse for them? And every year this verse shows up. It showed up again in, in several faith statements this year. Joshua 1 verse 9, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. And, and part of what it means to be people who 
are courageous, who are getting better and better at courage all the time, it requires a mindset, a mindset that says we can do hard things. We can do hard things, and, and that's how we grow. And I don't know, sometimes the things that are easy for me, you would look at it and say, that's hard. Or the things that are easy for you, I would look at it and say, that's hard. And so I just came up with a list of maybe one of these things is going to be something for you. You're like, when we're talking about taking a next step, often that it's a hard step. And it takes courage to take this step as we follow Jesus. So maybe this is the nudge that you need to take that step. Maybe it's time for you and your spouse to finally sign up and take those classes to become foster parents. Maybe you have a job that uh, pays really well, but you actually kind of dread going to it. Maybe it's time for you to get a job where you're passionate about it, you're excited about it, you're making a difference, even if you're not making a whole lot of money. We have a ministry called Celebrate Recovery that meets here on Tuesday nights in West Des Moines on Thursday nights. And a lot of times uh, the mistake people make when it comes to Celebrate Recovery is thinking it's only for people who have addictions to drugs or alcohol. And it's certainly for people who have uh, problems with addiction, but it's really for all of us. Celebrate Recovery. I'm not sure I've ever met a person, an adult, who's not recovering from something. Right? You, you lose uh, somebody that you love. There's a death in your family or a friend dies or uh, you're grieving uh, the loss of, that comes with divorce or the loss of a job or mental health issues or whatever it might be. And so we'd encourage you to think maybe the next step for you is to start getting involved with Celebrate Recovery. Maybe it's time for you to say to your wife, okay, I'll go with you to marriage counseling. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be fun but it'll be good and it'll be worth it. Inviting your friends to church, to Power Life, to Ignition, uh, give it away. I think some people in Ankeny have been gifted with the ability to make a ton of money. You're just really good at it. And maybe the challenge, the next step for you that God's asking you now to start taking, what's, the, what's it look like for you to actually start giving it away? Uh, kids, maybe there's something that you've been hiding from your parents. Maybe it's time to tell them. All kinds of reasons why you haven't. Uh, you're worried about how they'll respond or it's embarrassing. Maybe it's time to do the hard thing and tell your parents. And parents, maybe it's time for you to listen. Not try to fix things. Not display how disappointed you are. Make sure you create an environment where your kids know they belong, no matter what, and just listen to them. Uh, step study. This is connected to Celebrate Recovery. They get into small groups uh, at the end of Celebrate Recovery, and we need leaders for those small groups. Well, there's a process to become a leader. You take a step study, and maybe that's something that God would be calling you to do, or maybe God's calling you to adopt, or maybe God's calling you to put a ring on it. You can elbow him if you want to. Uh, it's time. Grief counseling. Oh, look at that. I've got give it away twice. Um, some of you are really good at making money. <laughs> and maybe the hard thing God's asking you to do is think, what does it look like to give it away? Start praying about it, whatever it might be. You've talked to everybody about it. You think about it all the time. Have you talked with God about it? Or maybe a mission trip. You heard uh, in the Hope 360 all these mission trips that are happening and possibilities. Brent Rao is going in June. He's our student ministry guy. He's going with a group to Mission Navajo. It's a family-friendly trip. 
It's a student-friendly trip, and so maybe you haven't figured out what you want to do for your vacation for your family this summer. It's not too late to sign up to go to Mission Navajo, or maybe you're wondering what your teenage son or daughter is going to do this summer. It's not too late to sign them up to go to Mission Navajo. Brent would love uh, to have more Hope Ankeny people joining him. I went to South Africa uh, last fall. We're sending another group again this fall. I've got my friend Cabello here. Everybody say hi, Cabello. Yeah, good job. Cabello is the operations director on the ground in South Africa through our mission partner, uh, Blessman International. And he, I mean, he took me on some experiences last fall. We got to go way out into the middle of the bush and uh, meet some people and serve some people. It was fantastic. He's, he's got an incredible mind. On Friday night, we were sitting around uh, eating Leaning Tower Pizza because he needs to get a good Ankeny experience. And we were talking about African economic systems. And it was just blowing my mind the things that he thinks about. So maybe that next courageous step for you is to finally sign up and go on a mission trip. I, I don't think you'll be dis disappointed. We got to get better at belonging, better at sharing, and better at courage. And, and if we're continuing to move in this direction over the next five years, 10 years, 20 years, guess what's going to happen? We're going to become a healthier church and healthy things grow. Is hope big enough already? I was thinking about parents who are having their eighth graders confirmed this weekend, and it's really any parent, right? Don't, don't you have those moments as a parent where you look at your son or your daughter and you go, they're just getting so big. I can't believe how big they're getting. I wish they'd stop growing. I wish they'd stop getting so big. None of us actually mean that. Of course we don't want our kids to stop growing. We know it's a good thing. It's a healthy thing for our kids to grow. And the same is true for the church. Let's go back to that passage in Acts chapter 2 where it says the church is sharing everything they have. They're worshiping together. They're praying together. They're studying together. Read this verse with me. This is how the passage ends. Read it out loud with me. Each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Is hope big enough already? We don't get to answer that question. Only God does. I, I can't make this church grow. But what this passage says is the Lord made the church grow. They were just working on being better as a church, and the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, part of the reality is when you look through the Gospels, when you see Jesus doing his thing, somebody was often counting. Big crowds showed up. Well, how big was it? Well, it was 4,000 this day. It was 5,000 this day. Jesus even tells stories where he's like, I want more and more people to be a part of the kingdom of God. Like a farmer who scatters seed, and the seed grows, and some of it doesn't, but some of it does, and it produces a crop 30, 60, 100 times bigger than what was initially planted. And in Luke 14, our Bible reading for today, Jesus tells this story about a great banquet. And a couple of the phrases that stood out to me from this story, at one point Jesus says, there is still room for more. Another point he says, urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. There's some challenges to being a big church, absolutely. And we've got to be honest about that. Some of you showed up for Easter Sunday at 9.30 and there was no room for more. Uh, but at the other six services, there was plenty of room. Some of you show up uh, for worship and you go to put your kids in the nursery and we have a sign that says, sorry, the nursery is full. 
uh, the ratio of volunteers or staff that we have in the nursery and the number of kids that we think can safely fit in there, sometimes we meet that and we have to say, sorry, we're full. And, and some people can say, well, that means we're too big. That's one way to look at it, right? The other way to look at it is we need more people in the nursery. And we'll pay you if you want to. You can uh, sign up to be a staff person in the nursery. We still take volunteers in the nursery too if you'd like to do that. But be praying about how God might be asking you to be a part of what's going on in this church. There's still room for more. Urge anyone you find to come so the house will be full. What's our mission? The mission of hope is to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. Our mission isn't complete. Middle school and high school students, you know a student at your school who has no idea that there's a God who created them and a God who loves them, that they belong. And adults, there are people in your neighborhood, there are people on your traveling baseball team, people at your dance studio, people at your office at work who have no idea that there's a God who loves them, that they matter, their life is important. And so we're called to reach out to those people. Think about who, do you have even one person in your life like that? Who's one person? And are we going to say, sorry, we're full? Of course not. We're going to reach out, and we're going to invite, and we're going to love. And even if they never come to this church, we're going to make sure that they know about the love of God. Who's that one person in your life? As you think about that, I want to show you a clip from a movie called Schindler's List. Every time we start asking, isn't hope big enough already? I'm always reminded of this scene at the end of the movie. Oskar Schindler is a German businessman. He moves to Poland during World War II, and he makes a fortune using free labor from a Jewish labor camp. Uh, they come and they work in his factory, but eventually that, that labor camp is getting shut down and all of his labor force is getting sent to Auschwitz where they're going to be killed. And so Schindler decides he's going to spend his fortune to purchase the freedom of his employees. Take a look. It's a pretty incredible uh, privilege that we have to be the church. And for God to say, be the body of Christ, be my hands and feet in, in this world, share my love with the people around you. And, you know, it's never going to be enough. We'll never be able to do enough. But we thank God that he's able to do enough.